Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. The victim's name is 14-year-old Sierra Jackson, C-I-A-R-A. The suspects have been charged with capital murder and transported to Metro Jail. And did the suspects know this victim? Did they have any kind of relationship? No. This 23rd homicide of the year is heartbreaking to me personally. Sierra's 14. She died on the street named after Michael Donald, who was the last known lynching by the Ku Klux Klan in 1980. Forty years later, more innocent blood is shed on that street that's supposed to memorialize the death sacrificed. And a black girl is gunned down on that street by a black man. It's disgusting. I said it. There's a subculture of gun violence in the city of Mobile with young black men. It's high damn time we did something about it. I said it. So no one has to be called a racist anymore. Our homicides, 19, 19, 18, 17, 16, 14, 11, and four years old, we're all black children. When are we as a city going to wake up and say, let's address this issue? I've said it, now it's out in the open, right? Whatever happens to me, fine. If you guys slay me in the media, fine. But don't forget these innocent black lives that have been lost. Wow. Man, okay, there's a lot of heat there. I tell you what, when in a world where uh, every every screen you turn on, it's craziness. You hear people saying crazy things. Uh, things don't make sense. You look outside, it's it's 100 degrees. You turn on the TV, they tell you it's freezing. Uh, there's this this mixed messaging. When someone jumps out and they make sense and they speak truth, it's like, wow, okay, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So we have with us today from Men United Against Violence from Mobile, Alabama, Sergeant John C. Young. Yay! <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, well, Young well, yeah. Thank you for having me. I got, yes. I just got to ask first question, what came over you uh was that a, a, a momentary flash of truth speaking, or would you say that that's just who you are and they, they caught it on camera and it kind of went viral? Well, that's who I am. I've been uh, advocating for black women and young black people in Mobile seven or eight years. So that was just one recorded. And while I was on duty, I wasn't supposed to go off strip like that. I was supposed to go out and give the blind information, but the, you know, Having back-to-back homicides involving an 11-year-old young black boy and then a teenage black girl, it provoked in me the truth. And the Lord said, uh, don't say it. I only follow his direction. And this is one time I didn't argue with God. Normally I say, Lord, are you sure? And I said, yes, sir, I'll go say it. And I said it and I told it the truth. And I mean it. I'll stand by it today. Um, no one's called me a liar. But yeah, um, seeing the senseless violence black men inflict upon one another and now black women and black children i have i've had enough and i'm i'm glad that you guys uh, have the um dignity to have me on that you actually want to hear what we have to say i mean it's truly an honor uh john to have you on the show today uh something that you talk a lot about is the family and how important the family is and how we've all uh, strayed from keeping the family together. Can you address that a little bit and how that affects crime in our cities? Well, of, of course, the, the greatest uh, thing that Satan did was corrupt the family, and it wasn't a sin until Adam ate the fruit. That That's what's happened with so many Black neighborhoods and communities, that the Black men have abandoned their homes, and the government has said to Black women, you don't need them anyway, we can take care of them. When you have 80% of Black children born outside of wedlock, that is a problem. There are more funerals in Black churches than there are weddings. 
that is a problem. Ooh. And we have to just say it. And the, the responsibility is on black men. Um, I don't want anyone to think I'm talking. I'm, I'm a black man and I'm saying it is my responsibility to encourage black men to marry before build a nest before you lay an egg. It is my duty to tell black women, marry before you carry. If you met, that man loves you that much, he'll put a ring on your finger and change your last name. But with the demise of the black family, that is, has a direct correlation to dropout rates, to homicide rates, incarceration rates. These has been scientifically proven. Uh, the Moynihan Report, written in 1968 or 1969, stated that the greatest detriment to black families then is the failure of the family and uh, unwed uh, out of wet like verse was only at 25%. And, and he predicted that if this trend continues, we'd have this outcome. Well, here we are 50 years later and what Moynihan said has come true. And black men need to pull up their pants, cut their hair and grow up and get back into their homes and raise their children, period. What would you kind of trace that back to as, as a cause? Because it's in all communities. You know, most, you know, we, we lived in, when our kids were in high school, we lived in, in Mexico in orphanages. And you, I don't care where you go. If you go to Calcutta, you go downtown Chicago. You go anywhere. When you see brokenness, uh, prostitution, you know, you see a, a drug Drugs, addict. Drugs, yep. You're, you can trace that back. Pretty much, if, you, if you dig into the store, you're going to trace it back somewhere. There was a missing dad or a dad dropped the ball. I mean, I, I don't care what country you're in, what what background, mm-hmm. language they speak. The, the, the father being gone. If I wanted to break into your home, steal things and maybe rape your wife, I should do it when you're gone. I don't want to do it when you're home, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to be the best odds of protecting that home. Where did that, what, what, what is the cause of that in today's culture? Do you see the most music, movies, the education mm-hmm. system? What, what do you point it towards? Well, all of the above, but it began before now in 1970, the Great Experiment, the Great Society, they introduced welfare. Hmm. So the welfare began and they began telling black women, you don't need a man around and black men could have children without responsibility. Then you introduced feminism. Feminism told women you don't need a man at all and you don't have to shave your legs and arms. And then introduced crack cocaine. The crack cocaine epidemic follows up on that. It sent a bunch of black men to prison. And you can thank the Congressional Black Caucus for the mandatory minimum and three strikes and you're out of Bill Clinton. Then you follow that up with gangster rap. And now you have this culmination where we have, now we describe black culture as everything negative. It is dropping out of high school when um, 25% of black children are dropping out of high school. As I told you before here in Mobile, there isn't one predominantly black high school testing, testing at great level. Wow. Then you take the man out of the house and you don't go to church on Sundays. The father's the disciplinarian. The father's the leader. leader. He leads in prayer. He fixes things. He sets the examples. He shows his boy not to be a punk and he teaches his little girl that she's not poor. When the fathers move from the home, these things just fall in line. And for anyone out there saying, my mom raised me and he's not talking about me, there are exceptions. But there's not a woman I know that raised this child by herself that didn't say, I wish I'd had a husband. And there are so many of my friends that said, I wish I had a father like yours, JY. My father's my role model. He integrated Scott for company. He provided a very nice life for us. And after my parents and my mother abandoned us when I was uh, 13 or 14 years old, he didn't complain. He showed up and moved right back in. That's my role model. That's who I look up to. And we need more black men to say, I'm going to be my role model for my family and not not an athlete on TV, not some singer, this pursuit of materialism and look at my gold teeth and gold chains and look at my spangly underwear. 
that's nonsense. That's a feminism. And black men need to stand up straight and stop telling white people that it's their fault. And you owe us. No one owes you anything, black man. Be a man, stand up and lead your family, period. Man, men in that in the home, that is so important. And, you know, from the time that kids are even young, even with cartoons, you know, you see where there's not the, the man in the house or if there is, they make him look really dumb. You know, the kids make fun of him. I'm like there has been an all out attempt, it seems, to take the, the man out of the home. And it's interesting. We actually saw a, a study. I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I do remember the facts. It was something where uh, with men that are or men and women that are in prison, uh, when the when they're just raised by a single mom, the percentage chance of them ending up in prison, it was very high. If they're raised by a mother and a father in the home, you know, it had that percentage, um, and which was a lot lower. But if they were raised just by the father, it was actually the same percentage as a mother and a father. So to say that a dad's not important, I mean, it, statistically, it shows men are very important in the home. Well, let's go back to Adam and Eve, where it all went down. You know, uh, Adam is to work by the sweat of his brow. He's to till the land, and that's his job is to work and provide. He's punishment is, my husband shall rule over you, and your, thy desires shall be towards him. There is an order God has. And once we get outside of that order, once we fall, uh, fall for Satan's lies, this is what we get when fathers find more pleasure and video games or materialism or pursuit of selfish activities or how many women you can have, this is what happens. When a woman is not raised with a man, her father in the home teaching her how to have dignity and self-respect, you'll have a stage full of black women at Essence Festival on stage shaking their butt with their butt out. Essence Festival. You'll have BET awards saying that they're celebrating excellence and the women were dressed like prostitutes and the men were just like, well, cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. And that's BET, Black Entertainment Television. They're supposed to set the examples. When you have that occurring, it has to go back to the subculture in the home. Educate family, men united against violence, we use to feed family, education, employment, and discipline. That is the, uh, the recipe for success for anyone. Well, Jay, why, why are you saying about black men? Because I'm black and black people represent a disproportionate number of people on welfare, in jail, high school dropouts, premarital birth rates, STD rates. There's disproportionate to 13, 13% of the population. Well, why is that? Because 80% of our black children are born without a father. Some of these women have four, five, and six different children by six different men. Now, everyone in the house is confused. No one has the same last name. No one has the same physical features. And so and then there's a distinct difference the mother makes between the children of the father who provides and doesn't. So wow. black men have to realize that it's not racism, it's not some ism, it's not white privilege, it's not the systemic system. I know you're holding yourself back. My daddy told me I was lazy in school. And you know what? He was right. I could have done very well, <laughs> but I was lazy. Black men have ad- adopted this laziness as some type of, but, but listen, all right, you guys call me on. Listen, why can't I, as a black man, say to other black men, stop acting like a bum? Who else is going to say it? If a Christian black man doesn't say it, who's going to say it? It's not your role and responsibility. You care. Thank you for having me on. But it's not your responsibility. It's mine. It's other black men like me. And I'll say that to anybody. I'll say that to any black person you put in front of me. You can call them all up. I'll fly. I do travel. I love to go to D.C. again. I'll go wherever they are and tell them I've never been called a liar. Even people that did not like my interview last year 
it was harsh. Oh, he shouldn't have said it. it was the wrong platform. No one said I lied. I wore a sign last year at Mardi Gras, black men, put your guns down now. The people that complained about it were black men. That's what that's that's how conditioned we've made ourselves that even when we're confronted with truth, we fight it. That's the, the trick of the devil. He's he's worked it so well on us. But uh the devil is a liar, he's the father of lies, and I'm here to expose him. Woo! Well, I know for sure uh, he is the enemy, and the the best strategy that an enemy could have before attacking would be to eliminate all strong obstacles before him. Yep. You know, and so if I'm going to attack a home, again, have the men out. If I'm going to attack a country, let's say let's weaken the men first. Let's get let's break that up. Yep. Let's splinter the families. It's 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 almost like an art of war, military like strategy that's been implemented, but. We buy into it and we're programmed by it and everything on the screen, whatever, if you're at a movie or a commercial or social media, it all lines up with that. You don't see in in in, in uh, the world Thomas Sowell being celebrated or to, to right. Thomas being celebrated. Right. When, when, John you see, Lowry. when you see Ben Carson being called an idiot, right. you're like, right. okay, there's a list of idiots in the world, but he would be so far down you would never get to it. And so, so some of that's kind of what's what's right is called good, and what's good is called wrong. It's upside down, topsy turvy kind of world. But the answer it's got to be an individual like yourself speaking up because you can't wait for a group of people. You got to do it as an individual. Our motto here is wake up, speak up, and show up. That's what you're doing. Yep. And I guess just as we wrap up, kind of give a challenge to other just individual men, just men. Period. Uh, what can they do to, to follow in your footsteps to speak up and show up and be physically present in their homes and in the lives of their kids? Very simple. Uh, family, don't have children until you're married and can provide for them. Education, at least graduate high school and always be willing to train yourself to do a different career if you have to, which leads to employment. And then discipline. You have to do this every single day. There's no secret formula. There's no one time you do it and it's over. Men have to be men again. I love my calluses. I love my scruffy beard sometimes. You know, sometimes I don't trim my toenails. Those are <laughs> unique qualities that make us men, but I can also give good advice. Men are providers and protectors. Um, every woman should feel safe when I'm around and not fear me of uh, trying to yes. attack her. Yeah. Men yes. have to get back to the biblical principle that God set for us. God, Christ, husband, wife. We have to get back in our order. Once we lead again, then we can make better, bigger, stronger demands from women to follow. But the, the order that God set has to be preached again and taught again. Not not naming and claiming, not materialism. God got a plan for you. Yes, in the kingdom to come. Get to work on earth. I'll show you my faith by my works. I believe in the true and living God. He put me here to do this. And so every man, and it always starts with men. Ladies, I got a message for you too, but right now I'm talking to men. Pull your pants up and grow up, guys. It's on us. The success and failure of our society, our great nation. I'm a patriot. I love my nation. I love my city. We have to stand up and fight the devil together. Strength in numbers. Amen. Oh, I love Thank it. Thank you, Sergeant Young, for coming on. Now, Men United Against Violence. We'll put the link down below. So if you're listening find to this, Facebook. if you're listening to this, uh, you're on the treadmill or whatever, like the link will be down below. You can come back and find it. But do go there, click on it, follow that group, Men United Against Violence on Facebook so where they can find you. Put my cell phone number on there. Post, <laughs> tell them to call me directly. Post my cell phone number. Okay. We'll, we'll put it if it's okay with you, we'll put it in the links. Thank you so much do for that. that. To reach out. You're, you're a strong voice. You make sense. Um, 
would you would you come back on the show again in the future? I got about twenty more questions that I didn't even have when the show started. Anytime, anytime. Just let me know. I'll be here. You're We'd great, man. Thank thanks you for so thanks much for, for what you're your doing. time. Thank you, guys. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Well, kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com, use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. We will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. God actually spoke to me. He spoke about sacredness. He said to me, Kim, what I place in many, many people is sacred. And if anybody touches what is sacred to me, then it is the end for them. So what I've done in the United States of America is sacred. And there are people on every side that are trying to destroy what I deem sacred. And it's not going to happen. This is the definition of criminal conspiracy, racketeering, and collusion. This is not a theory. This is evidence. Because I have upheld this country to spread a light to the rest of the world. When you choose to go against the sacred thing that God put into the very heart and the soil of this nation. This was sacred to God. This reawakened tour is literally what it means. It has reawakened the American heart. All right, folks, the box fan plan is no longer needed. We're bringing the Reawaken America Tour Las Vegas, Nevada indoors, baby. We've got a climate-controlled, beautiful facility that we are building at the beautiful Craig Ranch, which is seven miles north of the Trump International Hotel. So if you're there and you want it to go well and you don't like the box fan plan, I get it. We now have a climate-controlled indoor facility that will be constructed and built there at the Craig Ranch, seven miles north of Trump uh, International Hotel Las Vegas, Nevada. So stay at the Trump International Las Vegas, Nevada, and then you'll be staying in a climate-controlled climate controlled facility uh, located there at uh, a Craig Ranch. And one, one good thing you can do, though, if you did buy a box fan, a great vocal exercise that I like to do before every show is this. La, 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 Luke. 
Luke, I am your father. All right, all right. Buckle up now and get ready. If you're if you are a parent who likes your children, if you're a grandparent and you like your grandchildren, yes. even remotely, you don't even have to like like love them. Like <laughs> just you just like them. If you're fond of these kids, if you just like, oh, they're okay. Like this is the episode for you yes. uh, because this will probably help them more than about anything mm-hmm. else that you're going to hear probably this day or this week. I'm so excited for this segment. Um, we have the founder of the Tuttle Twins series and shows. I could go on and on and on about this as a as a grandparent. I wish he's around when our kids were yes. were first growing up. He's the founder and president of the Libertas Institute, Mr. Connor Boyack. Yay! Hey guys, thanks for having me. Welcome back. We uh, love doing these shows with you and our audience loves it. Uh, You know, you have a newsletter that goes out. Tell people how they can get on your newsletter because um, that's really big. We get this newsletter regularly and I actually some of the questions are going to come from the newsletter today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our newsletter is actually for our customers. So anytime someone's buying something from TuttleTwins.com, not only are they going to get, you know, the books or the curriculum or whatever they buy, but they're going to start getting, you know, once or twice a week messages for me about what's going on in the world because what we've heard so often from parents is that uh they don't quite understand how to talk to their kids about this stuff and they they don't feel confident in their own understanding that's why they get the books and the books are awesome to teach principles and history and so forth but then a lot of current events happen a lot of things are happening in our world today that parents are still trying to work through and how do we have conversations about Mm -hmm. this so the idea with the email to our customers is once you read the books hey let's continue to talk about some of the stuff that's going on and how we can process it it's actually a valuable email it's not like the junk you get from kohl's or you know something like that it's like it actually is helpful you know if you open them up and look at them i mean it it's it's stuff that you can use and everything at your at your website you go to flyovertwins.com and uh because of our partnership you guys give them you're always doing specials which is Mm -hmm. great that's right but stacked on top Mm -hmm. of the specials and discounts you get more discounts when you go to flyovertwins.com but we want to kind of go back to that newsletter a a bit because there were some pretty Eye-opening. I'll say eye-opening. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a good way to put it. And that's why I think David started the whole thing with, if you love your kids, if you love your your grandchildren, we need to be aware what's actually going on in their minds. And in the newsletter you sent out, uh, you were showing a Google search of what what kids are doing. And it says, school makes me, and then it said depressed. School makes me feel worthless. These are all Google searches. Uh, School makes me tired. School makes me feel empty. School makes me feel stressed. Uh, I want to cry. School makes me want to cry. School makes me feel trapped. And you had in your newsletter, you said, these responses are the raw sentiments of today's kids. They're most commonly searched terms, the results of our sons and daughters taking to the internet in the hopes of finding answers to their overwhelming feelings of sadness, emptiness, and worthlessness. You also pointed out on TikTok, which is obviously a, a place that a lot of our kids are going, uh, that the biggest searches, videos containing so uh, school makes me depressed, um, had 4.5 million views. And then a, a, a videos containing school makes me anxious had 8.7 million views. And the question you left us with is what are our kids um, telling us? And are we listening? Are we listening? Well, I, I think too few of us are listening. And I, I reflect and I ponder on like, why is this happening? Why are kids feeling this way? And I think there's a a lot of things we could uh, point out. You know, we could talk about the rise in social media and the kind of 
you know, grass is greener mentality where everyone's trying to like project and show how amazing their life is. And kids find it hard to keep up with that. We talk about the breakdown in the family and marriage Mm -hmm. and, you know, fatherless house. Like there's so many things that we could point to. Um, But I think one of the biggest things is the structure and nature of the modern school system uh, itself. And I could, (laughs) we could talk a long time about this. I'll be very kind of simple with uh, one example of many I could share. Um, There are two fundamentally different ways to learn. Now, we as humans, as adults especially, we learn using what's called, uh, primarily learn using what's called a just-in-time model. So let's say your refrigerator breaks down, right? You don't think to yourself, gee, I'm glad I read the manual cover to cover 15 (laughs) years ago for such a time as this, right? No, just-in-time for when you need the information, you pull up a YouTube video, you read the manual, you figure it out, you move on away, right? Um, And over and over again, this is how it works. I have a problem or I have a desire. You know, let me go learn and find that information I need to continue on my path. School, by contrast, modern schooling is completely inverted. It is artificial. It is unnatural because children are not allowed to proceed on their own path of life with this just in time learning. They're not trained of like how to find information when you need it and how to be a good kind of researcher and how to how to gather uh, the stuff that you need. No, mm-hmm. they are not taught with a just in time model. They are all taught through a just in case model. So this is why we all know that the mitochondrion is the powerhouse of the cell, because we were all crammed with that information, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years ago, just in case you became a biologist or, Hey, you've now got to memorize the quadratic equation just because yeah. in case yep. you a physicist in the future. And so it's this concept where we have to bombard kids with so much information without context, without personal meaning, without honoring their individuality and what their curiosities are. Instead, we treat them all the same. We conform them to a system rather than adapting a system to their unique God-given you know, path and talents. And so, of course, when we dishonor someone's nature, when we don't treat them as an individual, they're going to become depressed. They're mm-hmm. going to feel like, why am I having to conform with this system? Few of them can articulate that. They're not going to you know, consciously know that that's what's going on. But as I reflect on the aggregate kind of impact in our society about how we educate kids, how we school them, I just feel like it's totally unnatural. It dishonors their individuality. It subjects them to this collectivist mindset, which is why so many millennials now support socialism. And to me, it is the it's what Henry David Thoreau talked about. For every thousand people hacking at the branches of, of evil, there is only one striking at the root. And I think how we educate the children in our society is a root cause that has so many downstream effects in our society. So we can go hack at the branches mm-hmm. and pass these laws and file these lawsuits and all these things, which are, is important. And I do a lot of that too through our, our Libertas Institute. It's not that it's unimportant, but we have to be focused on the root because when we're not, it's, it's that graphic that you showed mm-hmm. earlier. The outcome of this is that the kids are suffering and we have societal breakdown that is going to have a whole host of problems that we got to deal with in the future. You know, it's interesting you you say that because my grandma, she's still alive. She's 101 and, um, you know, wow. doing great in life. She still drives. She has a garden, you know, lives on her own. She's doing great. But when I sit down with my grandma and I talk through her education when she was growing up, it didn't change much from when I was going to school and it hasn't changed much from where it is today. And you look at that and think with everything that's changed in our world, how could they not have changed the education system to fit the times? Well, a a fun little historical factoid to support this point. 
uh, public schools. Oh, what there we she is. Today. 101. Oh, she has a, grandma. She has, grandma. She, has a, she has a huge garden. She's ornery. She'll tell you she's done more today than you have probably and uh, and uh, jab at you. So that's, that's another secret that to is, long life too. Yeah, that is awesome. She looks great. Yeah. Uh, so what we what we call today uh, public schools, I call them government schools because that's really what they are. But we all call them public schools for decades, you know, about uh, almost a century ago, they were called factory schools. Because they were widely recognized in two things. Number one, to be modeled themselves as a factory, like a conveyor belt with, Mm -hmm. you know, widgets and you got to take and and conform the raw material all in the same way at the same time. And so the nature of the school system itself was factory like, but that's because of the second thing. And that was these schools were designed this way to pump out good factory workers. The economy at the time was largely assembly line with the rise of the uh, industrial era and everything. And so these schools were based, uh, if we go back a little bit more, they were based off of the Prussian, uh, like this proto Germany, they had this very militaristic country, and they wanted to raise their children and train their children to be good soldiers and submissive citizens. And so they mm-hmm. built the school model that would produce that outcome. Well, all the early American education pioneers looked at Prussia with with glee and said, we need to import that here. And then, of course, with all the factories and the economy, they're like, this is going to be great, not just to train good soldiers and submissive citizens, but good factory workers. So you're exactly right that these factory schools that were modeled for an economy that largely no longer exists um, or hardly at all, uh, yet we still school Mm -hmm. kids the same way. And we're not teaching them critical thinking. We're not teaching them creativity. We're not teaching them how to be dynamic and learn things from different sources and adapt because you know, the economy is changing all the time and, and so forth. We're not equipping kids for today. We're training them for a world that no longer exists. Yep. That sounds pretty depressing to me. Mm-hmm. And this totally is all agree. just the, the actual fundamental structure of it. This doesn't introduce uh, the feminization of the population mm-hmm. and the things that are happening within it. Um, that's just the way that it's structured. And then if you go within it and say, if you're a young boy, I would think in grade school, right now, you look at like what's rewarded. It's going to be much more feminine acting behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, even even the idea, of, I mean, even when I was in school, man, it's always like there was a girl like Stacy who would be like a student. She got her thing done. And I'd I be, got my notes. I'd, 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 be, I'd be sitting there like this and, you know, what's going on? And being I would, a boy. I would, being a boy. I, I'd be, I had a car and I'd be messing around. But I was reading before I went to school and I would I would read right. voraciously at home. Like I, I, I loved learning and was a smart kid, but I never knew it. There was no evidence based on that environment because I would spend sure. recess inside, you know, in trouble, you know, getting more cranked up. And it was just such a, it was a very uncomfortable place mm-hmm. to be. And I think, man, I was just like this, you know, bundle of umph mm-hmm. that was pointed towards something productive would have been a much more rewarding environment. It didn't feel like school was made for me. That's right. Well, and you look at the, some of the most successful entrepreneurs throughout our economy today, and they all hated school. They dropped out of school at various uh, points. And so you got to wonder when these core few amazing uh, productive people have succeeded despite that system, what might happen if we alter the system to actually support people who have that type of you know mental mode or energy or whatever? The people who can't, kids can't sit still, but they're passionate about this obsessive thing that they're going to end up launching a billion dollar company in the future about why not find ways to support them earlier on again that honors their individuality recognizes their god-given talents Mm -hmm. their curiosities but the system is just not built that way and so when you 
cause, uh, force children to subject themselves to that system and just do what they're told and memorize things because they'll be on the test. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have called it depression back then, but I was depressed as a student. I really didn't like school. I struggled with it. And I don't want that for my kids. So my message ultimately is not necessarily, hey, remove your children from government schools, although I think it's far superior to homeschool or do uh, various private schools. The message ultimately, I think, is intentionality. Like for whatever reason, even if you need or want your kids still to go to the government schools, you have to be intentional about it. You can't assume that they're going to be learning the right things. You can't assume that they'll be immune from all the trends. You can't assume that they're not going to be brainwashed into the, I mean, 87% of high school teachers support Democrats. It's a very left-leaning, mm -hmm. feminine-oriented sure. type of system. And if you don't want your children subjected to that, you have to make sure in the home that you're counteracting that, that you're teaching them true principles, that you're challenging what they learned and having discussions around around the dinner table. A lot of parents throw their hands up and say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. And that is in part why the Tuttle Twins exist is to kind of be a, a counter agent, if you will, where it's like, sure, your kids are learning all this stuff over here. Just make sure, oh, I'm you're reading these books, you're having these conversations, and then they're going to have a more balanced view of the world. That is so good. Okay, so I just have to be honest. We, uh, David told you this before we interviewed, but I'll be <laughs> honest with the Flyover family as well. We interviewed G. Edward Griffin um, this week, he obviously, or last week, huge interview, um, and he wrote right, the book, The, smartest, the Creature the from Jekyll Island. And, you know, it's an amazing book, uh, but David and I wanted to kind of brush up on it before the interview. So what did we do? We pulled Tuttle Twins off the shelf, and we ended up reading the Tuttle Twins book, which is The Creature from Jekyll Island. The Inflation Monster. This is absolutely <laughs> amazing. So it's not just for your kids. It was great. And and G. Edward, he would not have even known that we did oh, because uh, we were just toe to toe, blow to so blow with him. Good, so once, we Tuttle, once we had the Tuttle Twins, you know, <laughs> down, download, download. You know, it's like the so Cliff many, Notes versions. It is. There's it so is. many things like that. Again, if you're a grandparent or or you know an aunt or an uncle, or something watching that, these are great things that you can like put into someone's someone's mm -hmm. world, and like they get these ideas. And again, as a parent, you might be like, oh, "I'm going to read this for my kids, so they get you know uh, smarter." But Really, it's you, so that you exactly. can. You don't have to sound like an idiot at the water cooler when you're talking to your friends. You'd be like, "Well, it's like the creature from Jekyll Island said this and that." You know, you don't have to tell them it was a Tuttle Twin version that that you read. But you got things like the Golden Rule. Um, I love this one here. I love the video. I used to watch it uh, um, and use it in, in workshops and seminars uh, with with people that worked for us. Um, uh, the miraculous pencil. You know, it's the, the detailed process mm -hmm. of everything that goes in from the rubber and the lead and the wood and everything. What does it take to make a pencil? So when people start looking around to like, they should give pencils away for free or, you know, this pencil costs too much. Like there's a lot that involves yep. many countries and regions and jobs that go into just making a pencil. And so it, it creates a good launch pad mm -hmm. for dinner time, dinner time conversation, you know, with your kids in order to be intentional, to have something besides yep. sports or you know, right. some negative story mm -hmm. to talk about. Well, and I think this matter, like we've sold, gosh, I think over 5 million uh, copies of our books now. And, and as I've like reflected on this over the years, why are these so successful? Why do families like, and, and kids, like parents tell us all the time, they'll just leave, you know, they're skeptical that their kids are actually going to like the books. You know, my kid hates reading. I, I get all the time. My kid's dyslexic. My kid doesn't like reading my kid, this, that, or the other. And so the parents leave the books out on the on the coffee table. They come in and they've already plowed through six books and they're on their seventh. And mm -hmm. the parents are like, what the heck is going on here? So I've had to reflect over the years and we've had discussions as a team, talk to a lot of parents. What what have we like tapped into that's causing all this? Because I don't mm -hmm. know that I can really take credit for it, but what's going on here? And the best way I found to explain it is this. You've probably had large Thanksgiving dinners, right? 
and you've got the the main table for all the adults, the aunts and the uncles and everybody mm-hmm. else. And you fill that table up with all the adults. And then you've got the table over here for all the kids, you know, and they're all squabbling. Yep. And, and, uh, and, but what about the teenagers? They're trapped in the middle and they don't want to sit with the young kids. They want to be with the mm-hmm. adults, but there's no room at the table. You know, so it's, it's this awkward thing where they want to be yeah. part yep. of the, the adults and all the kids want to be cool like the teenagers. So kids naturally have this desire to like be aspire to be like a bigger kid or like an adult. Mm -hmm. And yet the educational material that we provide children too often meets them at the level that they are currently at, or maybe just ahead. Whereas our books, even though that the format of them is simplistic and fun stories and illustrations and so forth, the content is challenging. We're talking about big things. We're talking in the, in the pencil book that you talked about, David, uh, we're talking about economic things like a term called spontaneous order. I mean, what six-year-old in any other world is going to learn about not just what that word means, but like understanding fully yeah. how yep. it works and helping them understand kind of the world as a result of that. So the fact that we're simplifying uh, these challenging ideas, but still they're they're pretty beefy ideas. These kids just seem to be drawn like a magnet to it, perhaps in part because they're not getting it anywhere else. They're they're mm-hmm. they're sick of all the the fluff. They're depressed with all the crap that they're being forced to learn. Yeah. Yep. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, this is like manna from heaven. Let me now try and you know consume as much as I can. I love it. it up. I have to ask you, Connor. So let's say that you know we have Flyover family. Or they're watching this and they're like, I don't even know where to start. You know, obviously they need to go to flyovertwins.com. But what's a good place for families to start if they don't have any Tuttle Twin books? Uh, what's probably the most popular or the the best place to start for them? Uh, I would say this largely depends on age. What we're looking at on the screen right now and what you guys have been showing off are our main children's series, age roughly 5 to 11. That's a bit devious because we've got younger kids who will you know, listen along or read along uh, mm-hmm. if mom or dad is reading. And we've got a lot of teenagers who read mm-hmm. these books and, to your point, adults as well yep. who uh, even, even though it's a lower format, it's, <laughs> the ideas are often still <laughs> – the ideas are often still new to them, right? So, but the, the target of that is five to 11. A little bit down the page, we've got a bunch of uh, books for teenagers as well. We got a fiction series, we got a nonfiction series. So, if you've got older kids, you could start there if you want. Um, and then we got some cute little fun toddler books if you've got uh, pretty young kids like the ABCs of Liberty and the, the, the chewable one, two, books. of the Bill of Rights. Yeah, the chewable yeah. ones so that you can actually uh, <laughs> gnaw on those. We've got history books that just came out with our second history book just a couple weeks ago. That's for kind of ages 7 to 11 or 12. But again, I kind of hate giving out ages because we just see such a broad age range. The point is like maybe your kid's just really interested in money. Okay, start with the Creature from Nook Island book, and that'll be kind mm-hmm. of the dip the toe in the water to learn about other stuff. Or if you've got an entrepreneurial kid, uh, you know, use uh, Tuttle Twins and the Spectacular Show Business. That one's all about business and how to set up a business and why entrepreneurship is important, right? Um, and, and so it just kind of depends on what their interests are, what the age of your kid is. What we're trying to do is build out enough content where no matter the age of your kid and no matter their interests, or maybe they want to watch videos instead, we've got the cartoon, or maybe, you know, you're in the car a lot, we got the podcast. We're, we're trying to provide parents with an arsenal of content so that they can be talking to their kids about mm-hmm. these ideas, no matter their age, no matter their interest. Um, and then we can continue educating them as they get older. Cause to your earlier point, this is an investment in the future. And so we don't want this to be a one-off, like read a book and you're done. This very much is like, Hey, there's books, there's curriculum, there's a game, there's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's yeah. deepen our understanding of these ideas over time. So that 20 years from now, our society can look a lot better 
than we think it's currently going to. Well, and it gives I you a common, a common language. You don't have just your, your, your own parent experience and your kid has different experiences. Like everyone in our family has seen uh, Princess Bride like probably 800 times, you know? And so, <laughs> so if anybody says no more rhyming and I mean it, you know, someone's going to say, anybody want a peanut? You know, it's like, want just, peanut? You know I mean, it's just, it, so we have this, a movie sometimes gives you a common language that both you, you right. merge, you merge on. This does it as well. But again, like you said, you could be intentional on, on what that is. I want to do one last thing real quick. Producer Colton here has two small children. We were talking before we started, like these are a big part of their world. They're three and one uh, that that has kind of come in. I don't know if you can kind of voice over in, but but your experience with these. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, my my kids, first off, they, they started on the, the Chewable books and the, the ABC's <laughs> books. And it was funny, just words they'd start spitting out from, from the books themselves. And like random times, I'm like, man, that's pretty good. Like you're just learning how to talk, but you know, these, these, these bigger terms. And then when the, the TV show came out, they were all yeah. about the TV show and they, they would watch them. And I, I would love just kind of coming in as a dad and listening to the things that they were receiving without even knowing they were receiving it. But like if we could pull back on those principles that they were learning from the show um, so well, and they're just starting to get to where we could read the creature from Jekyll Island. It, it took a little bit because again, she, my oldest is three, uh, but but she she's starting to enjoy these stories mm-hmm. now, and she can picture because she's seen the cartoons as well. She could picture the, the Tuttle Twins and what they look like, and um, starting to articulate some of that. So. They kind of like the grandma That's too, awesome. don't they? Yeah, yeah, love the grandma, love the squirrel, love, 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 love the raccoon. Everyone yeah. likes grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing there, Colton. And Connor, thank you for everything that you're doing to get this information out there to help us, you know, with this next generation, to get them good ideas uh, that they can build on and just a great foundation. So we really appreciate it. We'll kind of it. give you the last last shot here as we wrap up. Well, again, it's a plea for intentionality. I feel like we are in a mind war. We're in a war on truth. And if you don't realize that your children are being sent out into this battlefield, they're going to become casualties. Like you would never send your child to an actual war unless mm-hmm. they were provided, you know, body armor and a weapon, uh, knowledge of who the enemy is, how they're going to attack, what the rules of engagement are. You would want all of that as a minimum for your child if they're sent off to some faraway land to battle. We are in an ideological war today. And if we don't provide our children armor, and weapons and knowledge of who the enemy is and how they can attack and how we can fight back and stand for truth. If we're not intentional like that, we've already lost. We're already going to become casualties. Our kids are going to be brainwashed. They're going to turn out to be social justice warriors and hate every you know value that we stand mm-hmm. for and all these things. So again, intentionality, it really requires red pilling ourselves as adults, reading books like this, trying to understand these ideas so that we can help our kids understand them too. My whole mission, like I'll, I'll end with this. I don't think we're going to save our country at the Capitol. Uh, I don't think we're going to save our country in the courtroom. If our country is to be saved, I think it's at the dinner table. I think it's parents and yes. kids talking together about real world ideas, developing critical thinking, being skeptical of authority, you know, cultivating uh, culture, good culture and values, yeah. connecting in the community, supporting one another. We have to rebuild social fabric in America because it's hanging by a thread. And the only way to do that is through the family. It's at the dinner table. Tuttle Twins, we're honored to be a part of that for so many families to be of service to them and trying to just have deeper conversations and learn together. I love it. Thank you again, Connor, for your time. Go to flyovertwins.com and make some purchases. You'll be glad you did. We love every one that we've purchased and so do our grandchildren. So thank you again for your time, Connor. We really appreciate it. I love the Tuttle Twins books. They are taking so many things that I want to teach my kids and putting them in these fun stories. My name's Jen, 
and my sister introduced me to the Tuttle Twins books about a year ago. I just bought the set on a whim and I'm so glad that I did. It's kind of a crazy world we live in right now. I feel like our education system has been very dumbed down. They've taken a lot of um, patriotic, you know, curriculum out and so, and, and they're putting kind of progressive things in that parents do not agree with. Society today teaches kids to be lazy, to rely on the government. I think as a parent, we should all be teaching kids that they need to work hard. My eight-year-old son, he loves these books. He came up to me the other day, he said, Mom, can we read Spectacular Show Business? I said, okay, so we read through it. And it's all about being an entrepreneur. And when we were done, he said, Mom, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm gonna make a lemonade stand. I'm gonna go save up money. I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna buy this. And we talked all about it. He was so excited and I said, oh, I love this. The Tuttle Twins books are a really great way to help teach your kids to remember how great their country is and that this is a place where they can be free. They can be an entrepreneur. They learn these, these wonderful lessons of how our government actually works and um, why we pay taxes for things and how there are actually bad laws and how we can work to change them. The Tuttlewinds books have been huge in my family. You know, being a conservative parent, I am so happy we found these books. Parents, don't wait. You need to get these books and read them with your kids. family join me every wednesday for the prophetic report at 11 11 central you can find it on rumble you can find it on the flyover app we have such an incredible time of hearing from all of these different prophetic voices like robin bullock julie green barry wunch amanda grace and hank kuneman Every week, it's either five or six different prophets that are speaking, and what's interesting is God is speaking through them, and all of these voices come together like puzzle pieces. It is so exciting to hear what the Lord is saying. We're hearing from medical. We're hearing from military intelligence. We're hearing from the financial world. We're hearing from mainstream media, but the most important is, what is God saying? He has not fallen off the throne. He's not nervous. He's not chewing his nails. He is in control. He has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. What a great time to be alive. And I'm so excited for you to join me every Wednesday at 1111. Have you ever wondered about ancient civilizations or the moon landing, chemtrails, the Nephilim, demons? Those are all things that fascinate me decided to use our platform of the Flyover Conservative podcast and create a new show called Conspiracy Conversations. Every Saturday morning, we get together with some of the brightest minds in the world that have spent thousands of hours on a topic, churning through the research, looking at things, they've traveled, they've been to the locations, they're looking for the truth because they're as curious as you and I are about what's true. What is really true about our past, where we came from, where we are, and where we're going? We don't bring on guests to iron out their wrinkles and find out the things that we disagree on. No more than I go to the grocery store and, and, and try to put everything in the whole store in my cart. I just try to walk out with better ideas than I had when I walked in. If you got something inside you that's like, what about that? I don't even know if I agree, but I would like to hear them out. If you have an open mind and a curious heart, we've got a show for you every Saturday morning at eight o'clock, conspiracyconversations.com.
Oh, I love those two shows. Lots they of fun stuff. so much fun. Lots of great things happening. Yeah, you know? and you know, here at Flyover Conservatives, we examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. And there's been some things in culture uh, actually happening this week that we wanted to talk to you guys about. You know, we're not necessarily huge Jason Aldean fans. Although let's say historically we're big country fans. Mm-hmm. I'm a little out of the loop. Uh, my foot's not in the pedal. No. On, the, on the current uh, country scene at the moment for probably a lot of reasons. But CMT recently pulled a Jason Aldean music video from their rotation. And to be honest, I wasn't even 100% sure that CMT was still playing music. We grew up in an era where MTV played music yeah. and then it became other things. You know, CMT, I think their last award show was mostly dedicated to drag queens and, and these kind of things. Can't so, believe that's coming out of country music. So what I the heck? They do not know the pulse of their audience for sure. You know, and maybe their audience has changed. Maybe we just quit listening so. and it's all filled in uh, uh, with drag queens. I don't know. I doubt it. But um, uh, we did both grow up in a, a small town. Stacy was a city slicker. She grew up in a town of less than a thousand people. And yep. still, while she was in the town, in a subdivision, it still had dirt roads. Yes. I was in the country on another dirt road, not in a subdivision, just my <laughs> subdivision was a house and some barns and things like that. That was my uh, neighborhood and squirrels and uh, sheep and horses and things like that. So so we kind of relate to small towns. We were outside of a town, about 40,000, where you go to get your groceries and things like that. Yeah, because we were going to town. Um, Yes, we would go to town. I want to play yeah. a clip from this song, then we'll talk about the lyrics real quick, and then some of the response it's got. Again, we got to talk about about current events and culture. These kind of merge here. We'll just play the opening and uh, part of the chorus of the song, give you a chance to see what it's about. Sidewalk, carjacking old lady at a red light. Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. You think it's cool, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face. Stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. All right, you kind of get the gist. Yep, so in case you didn't catch the lyrics, it was sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. Bad idea. You think it's cool? Well, act like a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough? Well, try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. Around here, we take care of our own. So uh, obviously everybody has an agenda in life and so they want to hijack anything they see and then then lay their agenda on the top of it, you know, and heck, we probably do the same thing and, and so do you, you know, but um, this needs to be hijacked in kind of all the wrong ways mm-hmm. because again, I'm not necessarily defending Jason Aldean for being the modern day uh, Beethoven or any of these things. Uh, I think he's consistent and I think he has a backbone and I do like the fact he's not caving to mm-hmm. cancel culture in the middle of this, uh, which is great because you can never appease that crowd. It's like trying to put out a forest fire with toilet paper. Right. You know, it just it just adds to it. You can't yeah. do it. Um, 
they're trying to make it racial. I don't know if you saw the 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 clip there. There's the BLM riots. That's a thing. Uh, uh, every shot I saw there had more white people mm-hmm. than black people in it, which I think is it should be noted. Um, I don't think it's against anything other than there's violence happening. People are being harmed because of mob mentality and nobody is resisting. Mm-hmm. Nobody is is counterbalancing having people beaten up in streets, businesses burned and looting. So uh, to me, the racial tone of this is if you're saying, hey, we're against mob violence, we're against burning cities. Hurting old ladies. And hurting old ladies. Then mm-hmm. if you're against murder, you're against these things, then you're, it's racial. I, to me, I think that's a racist thing yeah. to say, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl Crow had to weigh in because I guess she felt like nobody's talked about Cheryl Crow in a long time. So uh, she decided to pipe in. Sadly enough, uh, I, I do like Cheryl Crow. She's a school teacher. A um, mm-hmm. couple great songs about 100 years ago. And uh, she is from Missouri. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which small town, one of them. She basically said, I'm, I'm from a small town. Even the small town folks are sick of violence. There's nothing small town or American about promoting violence. You should know that better than anyone have survived a mass shooting. He was part of the, the, the Las Vegas shooting. That was a terrible tragedy a few years ago. Um, this is not American or small town like. It's just lame. Uh, I don't know if she listened to the song. I don't think. Because they, uh, I don't think I saw anything in that song promoting violence. I don't know if she has the uh, the ability to grasp mm-hmm. more than one side of an Rubik's Cube at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely missed it. There's a guy that I, I follow on Twitter uh, named Zeke. I uh, got a, a tweet from him. He was underneath of her in the comments, and, and the comments on hers did get kind of kind of goofy on both sides, uh, which is interesting. He uh, he he's also a Zeke's a, a, either a current cop or a former cop. I've been following him on Twitter for for quite a while. He says, uh, "Is he promoting violence, or is he giving a warning to people who are actually engaging in violent acts?" Um, man, the best answer to a bad person is a good person to push back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll probably have more stuff about that coming out here soon. As as a black man, I am safer in a city where am BL- I safer? Oh, am I safer mm-hmm. in a city where BLM is mostly peaceful protesting or in a small town? Um, I think I take my chances around some good old boys. We're going to be barbecuing and drinking moonshine within an hour. Probably true. Uh, mm-hmm. I would agree with him there. So anyway, you'll probably be hearing more about this coming out. Should CMT have pulled it off? One of their their reasons, I guess. The place where the video is shot is in a courthouse of a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, in that particular town, there was a lynching that took place a hundred years ago. So I don't know if uh, we're all obligated to know the history of every single place. I think maybe a hundred years ago, a lot of things took place in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that that was Jason Aldean's intent uh, with the filming of it. And uh, if you watch the video and look at the footage, that's not the point yeah. necessarily. Pretty interesting. So as they are just continuing to try to cancel uh, our free speech and, you know, actually people just sit standing up and saying, no, it's not allowed. We're not going to allow that around here. I think it's really important that we take note of that and uh, kind of examine it even closer. So, all right. Well, there is something that we want to talk to you guys about that's pretty exciting. We were actually on a call, Zoom call with Mike Lindell and a few other podcasters today. And he was talking about an event that's coming up on August the 16th and the 17th in Springfield, Missouri. And he's actually going to be, this is how he said it, there is going to be a plan shared for future elections that has never been done before or even discussed to, to secure our elections forever. He really believes that this is going to be historical. And you can be a part of it. If you would like to be able to watch this event, all you have to do 
is go to uh, Lindell Event. Dot com. It's right there on the screen, lindellevent.com. Uh, give the referral code FLYOVER when you do that, and you're going to actually get a free gift that's going to be emailed to you immediately. I think it's like a $20 value. You get that free gift when you go there and register, but it puts you in, in line to get the communication. You can begin sharing news about this event with your friends and family. Um, it's not about evidence. It's no longer about uh, it, it, an indictment on 2020, nope. although that probably will be going on in history forever. Um, it's about, hey, what can we do now over these next 14 months? And it's a plan that can impact the 2024 election. And I'm excited to hear it myself. Yep, I think it's going to be exciting. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We bless you. We bless you to realize you were born for such a time as this. We bless you to realize your future is brighter than your past. And we bless you to wake up, speak up, and show up. Please like and share this show. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day. Hey.